I grew up in the United States, but my mom is from Sweden. And when my sister and I were little, we'd get on a plane every other summer to fly back and visit our grandparents. On the way from the airport, my sister and I would cram in on either side of our grandmother in the back seat of my grandpa's silver Ford sedan. You had to hand crank the windows down with a plastic handle. I remember sitting in a booster seat and staring out of the window until I felt carsick. There were acres upon acres of farmland, fields of bright blue flaxseed flowers that looked like lakes, bales of hay wrapped in white plastic that I used to think were giant balls of mozzarella. And on every trip, my grandmother would point at one thing in particular, a stack of rocks painted red and fenced in. And she'd tell us the same story. The farmer who lived here had to repaint those rocks every time he repainted his house. Because if he didn't, everything would all burn down. I'm Sarah Wyman, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. As a kid, I never questioned the stack of rocks or its story. We always just kept driving. But today, I'm pulling over. Jod stands Gubben, Red Stone Man. His story, and some Swedish superstition. After this. When was the last time I took a road trip? How many national parks could I hit in two weeks? What about hotels? Wait, hey, Erica, how much am I spending on travel? When your questions about life turn into questions about money, there's Erica, the virtual financial assistant to help you spend, save, and plan smarter. Only from Bank of America. What would you like the power to do? Erica is only available in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Your chat may be recorded and monitored for quality assurance. Message and data rates and additional terms may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself. You might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Sax och nål och kniv. Vännen aldrig giv. Scissors, needle, knife. Never gift a friend or wife. The scissors cut, the needle pricks. The knife slices in two. The loving bonds between them and you. This is an old Swedish superstition. TLDR, it is bad luck to give scissors as a gift. It's one of many sayings like this that I learned from my grandma. Can du berätta för mig vem du är? Jag är Sara Weimers mormor. Och heter Eva. That's her. Her name is Eva, but I call her mormor. She's 90 years old, or as she put it to me, an old lady. Gammal gumma. 
When I was in Sweden recently, I got to spend some time with her, which was amazing. We sat at the same kitchen table she's had since I was a kid, under this cuckoo clock that belonged to her parents. I made us both some coffee, and she told me stories. They couldn't be logos little mat. Och jag hade but barnflicka i Ista heter det utanför Västerås. She and her seven siblings grew up in rural southern Sweden in the 1930s. I've always thought her childhood sounded intense. But the generation that raised her, the people who told her stories and taught her about the world, their lives were really rough. In 1900, more than half of Sweden's population was farmers. They were poor, sometimes starving. A lot of kids didn't live past childhood. And in some ways, whether or not you survived seemed to come down to luck. And so, like people all over the world, the Swedish developed their own basket of superstitions. Little things you could do to maybe improve your luck, or things you had to do to keep your luck from going bad. Some of the superstitions I grew up hearing are kind of just best practices for staying out of trouble. Like, don't cross a stream to get water. That is solid advice in a place and time where very few people could swim. Or, to return to an earlier example, don't give your friends sharp things as presents. But other superstitions just feel really random. Maybe like Grandma and her friends were trolling us a little bit. Like, if your piece of cake tips over, it means you'll never get married. If you bring Heather into the house, someone in your family will die. And that stack of rocks we used to pass in the car, it definitely falls into this second category of superstition. The rocks are called rödstensgubben. Translated, that's röd, red, stan, stone, gubben, dude. Rödstensgubben. He's made up of three rocks piled on top of each other. I remember them being a few feet tall, like the size of a kid. The bottom one is the longest. It's egg-shaped and painted red. The middle one is flat and is painted white. And the top one is pointy, like a hat. So it's painted black. Every time the owner of this farm repaints their red barn, my grandma says they have to repaint Rödstensgubben too. If they don't, the whole farm burns down. And before you laugh, this has happened. The last time was in 1920. The farm did burn down. That is a documented fact. Whether or not the red stone dude did it, well, that's where the superstition comes in. My grandma says before that, sometime in the 1800s, a different owner tried moving the rocks. But the next day, the farm owner found Rodstanskuben mysteriously reassembled in his original spot. Grandma says the Red Stone dude just didn't like the place they moved him to. My grandma couldn't explain where Rödstenskubben came from or why he's so insistent about being repainted. So I decided to pay him a visit. 
When I was driving there, my GPS gave me directions in a very weird mix of English and Swedish, which spoke to me on a personal level. Full disclosure, on my first approach, I drove right past Rödstjenskubben. Ugh, I'm wondering if I missed it. Forgive me, sir. But on take two, Swinglish Siri helped me out. Your destination will be on the left. Okay, I see it. Your destination is on the left. I parked on a patch of gravel outside the barn. No one was around except for me and Rödstjenskubben. He was hanging out in the middle of his field. There were two fences between us. And he looked smaller than I remembered, only a little over a foot tall. I tried taking a selfie with him in the background, but he was so far away that you couldn't really make him out from the rest of the landscape. So I've walked up to a sign here. It says Rodstan at the top. And I'm going to read the whole thing in Swedish, and then I'll translate so, here's what the sign says. The local consensus is that Rodstjensgubben has been standing in this field for centuries, possibly since before 1360. Sweden was just coming out of the Viking Age. So, why is the stone red? The sign points out that Rodstjensgubben is a little phallic-looking, and that led experts to believe it might be a relic of ancient fertility rituals. Pagans could have sacrificed male animals to the god Frö and smeared their blood on the phallic symbol, all to help the farm yield a bigger crop. The running theory is that centuries later, Christians took over the land, but rather than stop the tradition, people just switched from blood to paint. Rödsten har inte längre någon motsvarighet i Sverige. But I'm a bit skeptical of this theory. There is literally no other hard evidence in Sweden that pagans were creating phallic symbols and staining them red as part of fertility rituals. And while I hate to contradict an informational sign, there are a couple other stories to consider. First, there's a folktale. It goes like this. During the Middle Ages, a farmer lived here. One summer, he was harvesting his pea crop on gasp, a Sunday, And, even worse, he cursed. So, God was forced to smite him. He was swallowed up by a big hole in the ground. The farmers who took over noticed that the whole place seemed kind of cursed. Bad things kept happening. So, they erected a memorial to the dead farmer. Three painted rocks stacked on top of each other. And... After that, as long as they remembered to repaint the rocks when they painted the barn, things went okay. Now that is a good story, but it is still just a story. I also came across an academic paper about Rodstjenskoben, written a couple years ago by a professor named Evert Melefosch. And in it, he suggested something, in his words, sacrilegious. What if this farm, Red Rock, wasn't named after the painted red stone dude. What if it was named after the red granite buried in the surrounding hills? As for how the red stone dude showed up, Melefosch has perhaps the most simple theory. Maybe Rodstjenskoban was just the work of some dumb teenage boys. During the 1700s, the farm had housed a bunch of young soldiers. Professor Melefosch says 
Maybe one of them built Rodstian's Goban as a joke. And then superstition kicked in, and someone else kept repainting it. Jo, den har varit där sedan åtminstone 1300-talet, tror de. I told my grandma about these stories, the different explanations for where the rock comes from and why it was first painted red. And she hadn't heard any of them before. I don't think most people in the surrounding community have. But just like my grandma, they know where Rodstanskoben lives. They can point him out to their kids, their grandkids, or visitors when they drive past on the highway. And they can tell him, look, that's our local stack of rocks. You gotta paint them or the barn burns down. And when I was there, gotta say, I was relieved to see that Rodstanskoben looked like he was sporting a fresh coat of paint. Because, hey, if Rodstanskoben does hold the vengeful spirit of a dead farmer, why take your chances? Special thanks this week to my grandma, my mom, and my sister Dana for crowdsourcing all those Swedish superstitions. This podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. Our production team includes Dylan Therese, Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Chilenya Onike, Maddie Weinberg, Camille Mojica, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Casey Holford. From the side of a highway in Sweden, I'm Sarah Wyman. Thanks for listening. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure they are always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com. Hi, I'm Willa Paskin, the host of Dakota Ring, Slate's podcast about cracking cultural mysteries. On Dakota Ring, we dive down rabbit holes and obsessively explore questions hiding in plain sight. Like, why has slow dancing gone out of style? And when did we all become obsessed with hydration? And where did the word mullet, you know, to describe a hairstyle, come from? That's Dakota Ring, named one of the best podcasts of 2023 by The New York Times. Listen to new episodes every two weeks and make sure to follow us so you never miss one.